Welcome to the Misfit Stars Podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, listeners. Shannon and I are a married pair of working artists, and this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another and with you about what's mattering to us this week. We're so happy you're here. And hi, sweetheart. Hi. Every time you do that intro Mm -hmm. and I hear you say we're a married pair of working artists, I think to myself, what did we do? I know, right? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We've made a terrible mistake. (laughs) Are we nuts? Yeah, and you know what? We're committed at this point. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, the only way out is through. Mm -hmm. We can't get real jobs at this point. I haven't had a real job in 20 years. No one would hire me. I don't know who would hire me either. Well, here we go. High five. (sighs) Man. (laughs) (sighs) Um, So, yeah, here we are. Uh, Let's get right down to business uh, with announcements. I'll do the song for you, but I'm very excited about the announcement segment today. Yeah, yeah. Okay, ready? Okay. Announcements, announcements, announcements. Oh, man, you slowed it down at the end. That was really dramatic. It It was. was, It was like Bing Crosby-esque. It was, but like I really needed this segment to have some drama because I'm really excited about our announcement today. I know, so excited. Do you want to make it? Oh my God. I'm tossing it to you. Okay, I'll do okay, it. Okay. I'll do it. This is great because I can actually brag about Shannon in a way that she can't okay. brag about herself. And I think that's appropriate and good for this announcement. <laughs> so people, here's the deal. Uh, we are so thrilled to be able to announce to you, finally, we've known about this for a month, but we can announce it to you today on the podcast that uh, we are confirmed to play Shannon's first ever headlining show in a theater. <laughs> First ever. Like, if you go to, like, the Sophia, so it's at the Sophia Theater in Sacramento, California, mm-hmm. April 21st. It's yes. a Friday. It's just a, a plum spot. It's literally the best venue in that city. It's a gorgeous venue. It's so, so beautiful. Nice. Like, you just feel like you're going to a fancy event. Yeah, and it's, like, in a nice part of town, and just, like, Fun the whole part. thing yeah. feels just really cool. It's the kind of thing where, like, where you drive up to it, you're like, hey, we're in a nice part of town, and it feels fancy and the buildings around it look nice and it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and, and Shannon's name is going to be on the marquee there as a headlining <laughs> act that night. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. It's so wild. And we have the whole night, we can do whatever we want and we are planning this amazing, it's going to be more than a show, it's going to be a whole experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't announce the details yet, uh, partially because we don't know all of them yet. We're, We're still just inventing them. We are working on it. But, but we've, we've got, got some good ideas. really fun ideas. Yeah. And like really just, it's, you know, if you have seen me play at all in the last decade or more, like really, like if you've seen me perform, uh, this is going to be several levels up oh my God. from what you've experienced. Yes. Like, and we've been iterating this, developing this uh, for, for a while. But man, I, I haven't been this excited about like live performance in a, like a really long time. Oh, like for it's sure. Just pushing ourselves in some new directions, which I think, I, I believe, are going to just be like, wow, things for you. So, yeah. like, if you can get yourself to Sacramento, if you live in Sacramento, anywhere in Northern California, get yourself some tickets and bring a friend and come and spend April 21st with us at the Sophia. We're yeah. so, so excited about this. You're going to put a ticket link in the show notes, right? Yeah, I'll okay. absolutely put a ticket link in the show notes. Excellent. Um, and by the way, people, uh, discerning linguists who are listening to us right now might have discerned that Shannon is native to the area 
because she didn't say the T. <laughs> in Sacramento. Yeah. In Sacramento. Yeah. In Sacramento. <laughs> two N's at the end there. Sacramento. Well, so there's two ways you can say it. If you want to, if you want to emphasize the T, you can use the the local sort of colloquial joke, calling it Sacra Tomato. If you want to, if you really need to see the tea, but why do they say that? I don't know. It's just everybody says it. I love it. I don't know. I love it. But Sacramento, yeah. If you're from there, you just like roll right on past the tea. At yeah. The end. Yeah. 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 We're too busy. We, got, do. we don't need teas here no, in Sacramento. No, we're, we're, we've got things to do. Um, so that's our big announcement. Please come oh, join us. It's at, so exciting, yeah. you guys. Like seriously. And people who have been following our career know that like for the past literally 10 years, every single show that we have done has been in the living room or backyard of somebody who supports what we do. They're called yeah. house concerts. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done over 600 house concerts. <laughs> and we have built this tremendous grassroots underground community this way all across the country. We've been touring nationally mm -hmm. since 2012 doing this. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And uh, to see it starting to break out into something bigger after that tremendously long amount of time like women in music have an expiration date stamped on their forehead from when they're about 22 years old a mythical expiration date. yeah it's <laughs> utter horseshit yeah <laughs> to be super clear right but this idea that like if you haven't made it big by 22 you're on your way out and you should just go do something else maybe have kids you know and for a woman shannon's age shannon's 48 years old i'm 50 we are just getting oh, yeah. started with this shit. we are it's so true. it's just extremely uh rewarding it's mm -hmm. extremely exciting uh and we like doing new things and having new experiences and this is the beginning of a whole new set of experiences yeah we're diving into something deeper here it's gonna be really fun all right people i will drop a ticket link in the show notes but just know that you can go to b street theater Dot com. Dot org. Dot org. Oh, it's an org. It's a dot org. Yeah. org. It might be a theater with an RE at the end. They might be fancy like that. It is. Just Google B Street Theater. Or and the Sophia Sacramento. Yeah. Well, get you the Google result you need to. Yep. S-O-F-I-A. There you go. Also, if you spell it wrong, Google will still return the correct results. Yeah. Because AI is the future. Oh, good times. Yes. Uh, well, shall we roll on into how are you feeling today? Thanks for asking. I wrote down that I'm feeling anticipatory and adrenalized. Adrenalized? Yeah. Is that a word you made up? Or is uh, that... I think that you can could you probably find it on the internet. Adrenalized? Yeah. Hmm. Full of adrenaline. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, supercharged. Turbocharged. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, That's I do. Good. I just, I feel tingly. Oh, okay. Like, uh, like physically. Oh. Like a little, like almost like I feel anxious, but I know I'm not anxious, but it's just the physical stuff that I'm feeling mirrors what I feel when I feel anxious. Yeah. But I'm not anxious, but it's, it's like that. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Okay. I'm just hyped up about stuff. Yeah. Um, there's just a Does lot of- Does it feel of, okay? Yes, okay. it does feel okay. Uh, I'm just so excited to work, 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 work. I feel the kind of way where like, I, w I wish I didn't have to sleep for a couple of days so I could just work for like 35 hours straight. <laughs> I just have so much stuff. Like people keep asking me to do things. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Um, like I picked up another, like since the last podcast, like three more people have asked me to do like music work for them. It's just really a exciting lot. stuff it's, too. It's I know. really cool. It's really cool. It's really great. I was already busy. Now I'm much more busy, mm -hmm. uh, but it's good. I'm super stoked about all of it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, all of it is good. Uh, that's where I'm at. How are you feeling? I am on a similar wavelength with you. I feel, I'm feeling grateful. Mm -hmm. um, just, just, 
Yeah. Grateful, hopeful, and clear-headed are the three words that That's I nice. moved to today. Good. Yeah. Um, just, you know, there's there's really neat stuff happening. Um, I'm excited about what's to come. Uh, but I also don't feel like super like wrapped up in it in a way that's that's clouding my vision. You know, like I feel like, okay, we've got a purpose moving toward it, looking forward to what's coming and what we're into right now. And yeah. just feeling good about that. So love it. Yeah. Shall we roll then into uh, firing up the good news machine then? Arguably one too many thens in that sentence, sorry. but we're going to let it slide. Yeah, sorry about that. You know, this, yeah. is, a, this is an off-the-cuff podcast. <laughs> it is, right. This, this is not scripted, people. So, yeah, uh, I've got one. Let's hear it. So, uh, here's my good news. Last week in Tuesday's election, uh, Pennsylvania Democrats won all three state house special elections. Oh, cool. Giving them clear control of the Pennsylvania state house. Oh, that's wonderful. It's news. so exciting. They're, they were, they were like, I think, tied in the number of seats before these special elections. Oh. And so they had like this weird power sharing thing happening with Republicans that was not uh -huh. working at all. Oh. Like, at all. <laughs> like, literally, no legislation had been advanced or voted upon since they entered into this power sharing situation back in November, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and now they uh, have clear control of the House. Uh, and there's, you know, a Democratic governor. Republicans have control over the Senate in the state of Pennsylvania, oh, okay. you know, so it's not like a, a trifecta. But the very, very good news about this is that it, what it means is that they can block the abortion thing. Oh. Uh, because here's the deal. Uh, there is, there has been for a while a GOP-backed constitutional amendment that asserts there is no constitutional right to abortion abortion in the state of Pennsylvania. Oh. And if Republicans had control of the House, like it could have, depending on the size of things, like mm. if they had had a veto-proof majority, that kind of thing, mm. they could have overridden. Like uh, a veto, okay. So the good news is that that is for sure not going to happen now. That's great. Which is a really, really big win for uh, women's rights and bodily autonomy uh, yeah. and, you know, female personhood, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. We have like a bit of a firewall against the bad guys in the state of Pennsylvania. That's good. It also means that uh, it'll be much, much harder for Republicans to try to undermine democracy in the state of Pennsylvania coming into the 2024 election. Election suppression laws and yep. things like that, that they try to do. Yep. That's great. Yep. It is good news and I am stoked about it. Sweet. So uh, do you want to get less dumb? Class? Anyone? Anyone? I do. I really do. What you got? Okay, so this is this kind of blew my mind. Um, and you probably already know this, Jamie, because you know things. I'm not but that I, dumb. I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know this, but I came across this uh, this factoid this week. Um, we refer to letters as uppercase and lowercase. Oh yeah. Okay. You already know this. Of I, know. I, can well, tell I, by, I can tell by the look on your face. I have you a background know. in typography and oh, design. Okay, you do. Like it's, I literally studied this stuff in college. Okay. Yeah. I did not. And so this was like, whoa. Okay, but you learn, we learn those phrases from a young age yeah. in school, uppercase, lowercase. Yeah. Um, I had never questioned why we called them uppercase and lowercase. Right. Like you kind of assume when you're a kid that like case means size of a letter. That's kind of what I assumed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The uppercase ones are a little bigger. That's right. They're, they're higher. Yeah. They're upper. They're upper. Yeah. Okay. No, that's not what it is. Uh, they are, rem those words are remnants of the movable type practice of keeping... So like like when you had to actually set letters into uh, like a printing press. Yeah. Like you had to... Like there were like... They kept these letters in cases. Yeah. Okay? Like individual letters. And yeah. They're you, made of lead. 
They're, they're like about an inch long and you uh, and they have the letter kind of reversed out on the yeah, top. Yeah, kind of like a typewriter. Exactly. Like, but 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 like but not fixed to yeah, a machine. That's exactly right. It was but like so like you, you literally could, just grab them and set them in the order you want. That's why it's called typesetting. Right. So <laughs> they had these cases of letters and you'd have to have a lot of cases cuz yeah. like if you were going to print like a whole page, yeah. you'd need a lot of letters, right? Dozens and dozens of E's. Yeah. Dozens of T's, not so many Z's. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. But they kept these little letters in cases. Yeah. And there was a common practice in this that uh, that the the letters that start words, the, the bigger ones, yeah. that we call uppercase, yeah. they're called that because they were kept in cases that were stored on an upper shelf. Yeah. And the other ones were stored on a lower shelf. Because the, the, the lower shelf, because they would be more accessible because you don't use them, because you use them way more often. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uppercase refers to you reach for the uh, the case on the upper drawer, upper shelf yeah. to set those ones. And then like the lowercase ones are in the ones lower. Like, oh, yeah. I just, it was so mind blowing to me. Like, oh, isn't that oh. wonderful? <laughs> and do you want me to blow your mind even a little oh, further? Sure, okay. That's why fonts are called type cases. Type cases. Because you would literally just get a different case of physical metal oh. parts when you wanted a different font. Of course. You want Times New Roman? Well, that's this case over here. Right. I mean, it was so funny because when I think about print and I think of the word case, I think of small or big, small case, small, smaller, smaller or bigger. Yeah. You know, like I think of a case as being a way to describe the letter itself. Yeah. Like a state of being. Yes. And which kind of makes sense linguistically. So it's really like insidious, right? Yeah. Because if you think about it, like a case of something is like a sta it's state. Uh, yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. So, so it sort of makes sense to like you would interpret it that but way. But that it actually means like a wooden box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. Okay. So I got a little less done this week. It's something you already knew, but perhaps our listeners are feeling a little smarter along I love with me. It. How about you? What have you got for us? Oh man, so this is so interesting. So check this out. Australian researchers, scientific researchers, announced this last week that they have found a protein in lungs okay. that blocks COVID infection. Okay. It is so who, interesting. Who has this protein? Well... I think it probably depends on your genetics. Okay. Because like, so a, a good definition of proteins is that proteins are the output of genetics. D DNA creates proteins. Yeah, our yeah. DNA in our bodies yeah. create proteins. Yeah, genes, yeah. Make, genes make proteins. Yeah. That's what they do. And so uh, it, it was a, a genetic researcher okay. that actually found this out because they were, uh, they were running various uh, like parts of lungs of COVID patients through, uh, they were analyzing using that CRISPR technology oh, where yeah. it can like break down what genes are, are are in play and what they're doing, right? Yeah. And so this thing is called the uh, LRRC15 receptor. And so it's a naturally occurring protein in, okay. in some people. Okay. Uh, and it can bind to the spike of SARS-CoV-2, right? Uh -huh. Which is the virus that causes COVID. Uh -huh. So if you guys remember, like back in the day, three years ago, when we were all just learning about COVID, remember we learned it has a spike protein. Yeah. And that basically just like, it's like a little ramrod. It's like a wedge that like pokes it, into cells. It's how it infects a cell. Yeah, it yeah. pokes into the cell and like, like infects you in there, right? Yeah. And so this basically acts like Velcro. Like this protein acts a bit like Velcro, molecular Velcro, in okay. that it sticks to the spike of the virus okay. and like pulls it away from the target cell types. Oh. And makes it so it can't poke into them. Wow. Right? So some, okay, I don't know anything about this, so yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. Is this, are they thinking this is what the reason why some people when exposed to the virus don't get sick? 
Uh, yeah, they are thinking that. They're definitely thinking exactly along those lines. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, because you and I, we, we know people like this. We have a, a very dear friend uh, who I, I was working with him like about a year ago, and he was telling us that like over, not this last Super Bowl, this, this last weekend, but like a year last ago, year. he was hanging out with a friend in Wisconsin. Like this friend is a bartender and had worked a bartending shift Saturday night, came over to Ben's house, watched the Super Bowl with him last year. Mm-hmm. There was sitting by each other on the couch yelling for like, you know, sitting right by each other on the same couch yelling at the TV for like three hours. You know Uh what I mean? uh Sharing lots and lots of air and and lung stuff. The very next day, the buddy is super sick, calls Ben. He's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I've got a really bad case of COVID. Like it hit him fast. Like Uh like the next day he was sick and testing positive. And, and, And Ben did not get it at all. So maybe he has this protein. So maybe he has this protein. Okay, so what is this what do they say the implications of this are for like the rest of us? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the implications for the rest of us are that they can figure out how to like generate this in everybody. That you know what I mean? Be cool. Because you know how like they're doing all this gene therapy stuff these days where like you can stimulate production of certain stuff inside people by tweaking genes, mm-hmm. right? They should be able to do that exact same kind of thing with this. Well, it wouldn't necessarily have to be tweaking genes either because like that's like like even our the mRNA vaccines that we have been getting it, they're not they're not changing our own DNA, That's but right. they are introducing RNA that can produce proteins inside our bodies. There you go. Right? So maybe they'd have an RNA therapy kind of thing. But the point is they know what kind of protein needs to be generated to have this kind of response. And the great thing is, too, there are all these other different... Uh, things. It's not just COVID that this could benefit, right? Ooh. Like uh, this re- this receptor can block COVID-19 infection. Uh, it can also at the same time activate your body's antivirus response and suppress our body's fibrosis response. Oh. Meaning that any kind of fibrosis, maybe we have a pathway toward like a therapy for that now. That's so cool. You know what I mean? Science is rad. Oh my gosh. That's really cool. So, And, and also like this could be for any virus. Mm. This could be the kind of thing like we're 30 years from now, viruses aren't a problem anymore. Wouldn't that be cool? Because like we know how to attach proteins to them that just neutralize them. Mm. Maybe everyone just gets like an inhaler thing once a year. I don't know how it would work exactly. Right, right. If you get a shot, like I don't know what it, the yeah. mechanism is, yeah. but maybe instead of getting like a flu shot that has like the four current strains and also the current COVID strain once a year, maybe instead of getting that booster, maybe you just get your LRRC15 protein generation <laughs> RNA booster once a year and your body just makes that protein all year long and you don't ever get anything. Wouldn't that Including be cool? colds, because those are uh, those are viruses also. That would be super cool. You know? That's super cool. So, you know, fingers crossed, but it's really, really exciting. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So I have an item for the suggestion box. Oh, do you really? I want to speak to you, manager, now, please. I do. And this is in the spirit of, you know, how last week I was like, so we've typically used the suggestion box as a way to sort of like complain mm-hmm. <laughs> about stuff. But last week I was like, how about... How about we use, I could use a suggestion box as a way to like see something good that happened and be like, hey, can we do more of this? Uh And I have another one of those. Oh, I love it. That's a good trend. It's a good trend. So check this out. The Minnesota House of Representatives Mm -hmm. passed a bill last week that guarantees free lunch and breakfast to all Minnesota students, regardless of income requirements set by federal programs. Good. And it's part of an effort to reduce child hunger and ensure no students fall through the cracks. And this, it's amazing. These kinds of programs um, happened, uh, like they were, they were, 
amplified during the like the COVID shutdown. Like people, like there were there were programs put in place where like they were doing food for for school kids in right. a lot of places, right? Yeah. And it actually was a really positive thing for a lot of people. Like it actually did address child hunger, yeah. like in a really positive way. So Minnesota has just made it a statewide policy now. Doesn't matter what your income is, you get free breakfast and lunch at school, and. I want to see us do that other places. Seriously. More of that, please. Yes. Like, because here's the thing. I remember when I was in school, like there were some kids who got free lunch. I don't remember that there, were, there was breakfast at that time. Maybe there was. I just don't remember. I don't recall there being breakfast but, either. You know, and this is obviously a long, long time ago, but like I remember elementary school and I remember, you know, there were there were the kids who stood in the lunch line every day to get their lunch. Yeah. Um, hardly anybody who wasn't on a federal program for that, stood in line to get lunch. Yeah. You know, kids whose households could afford to send them with their own lunches pretty much just brought their own lunches. Yeah. Except for on Fridays when it was pizza day. And then it was actually a treat. And like that, then like oftentimes I would convince my mom to send me with money to buy school lunch instead. Yeah. It was crap pizza, but still, it was pizza. Yeah. You know, but I remember even as an elementary school kid, Perceiving the difference yeah. between m- between my household and other households in yeah. terms of like s- class, yep. like the uh, you know social class, economic yep. class, um, because you know the the free lunch kids, th- th- there was kind of a stigma attached to that. Same, which is so stupid. I mean, yeah. like, like I. How great would it be? I mean, and, and Minnesota leading is leading the way in this. That like everybody can come and have free lunch. Yeah. Like how great? You just walk up. You don't need so, to show them a card. You don't need to scan something. It's like first of all, it's addressing child hunger. Okay. Yeah. That's like the the point. But an ancillary benefit is that like third graders aren't going to have another reason to like start sorting each other into like who's better than who based on like who can afford to bring their own lunch or who has to get free lunch at school. You know what I mean? Like there's just, yeah. it just, it, it, it creates an environment where everybody, everybody's getting fed. Yeah. And end of story. Eight-year-olds don't need a caste system. Exactly. <laughs> totally. So <laughs> more of this, please. That's my suggestion for the suggestion box. I want to see us do that everywhere. And you know what? As a, as a way to actually like act on that, I commit to y'all right now as I'm speaking that I'm going to call my, uh, I'm going to call up my local um, state representatives here in Washington State and tell them that I like this program that Minnesota did and ask that they would do the same here. That's a smart idea. Other people who live in the United States, you could also call your representative and senators. You could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have state senators also, yeah. state representatives, right? You could call the people who represent you at the state level and you could mm-hmm. ask them to do this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Man, that's really, really great. I yeah. think I, I think that's wonderful. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this feels important. Please hold for a very important message. Yeah, so you and I took notes on this item that was like sim- sim- a similar topic from a couple different vantage points. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I've actually had this in my notes for a couple of weeks and it's just, it hasn't gone away. The relevance is <laughs> increasing. Yeah. Um, but Republican state lawmakers across the country since 2019 have been putting forth like hundreds of bills, quote unquote, regulating the lives of transgender minors and restricting their medical care, restrict like defining which bathrooms they can use, even with the sports teams they can play on. Um, But that's been happening for a while. But 2023 
has seen even more. Like it's been a lot since 2019. Yeah. But the the 2023 legislative agenda reaches just new levels of cruelty against yeah. transgender Americans, uh, not just transgender youth, but across yeah. the board. So in the first month of 2023, Republicans have proposed more than 150 bills yeah. in 25 states. Uh, that that restrict trans, the the rights of transgender people, yeah. including full bans on transition care into young adulthood, mm-hmm. like it, like young into young like adulthood, yeah. restricting their ability to do transition care, yeah. restrictions on drag shows yeah. that sweep broadly enough to limit any live performance by performances by transgender people. Yeah. So like, you may not even be an official at an official. Thing, something called officially no, a drag you, you show. You could be, you could be just bringing your guitar to sing a song at an open mic. But, but if you're a quote unquote man wearing woman's clothes, that's a drag if, show. If you're a transgender, yeah, exactly. Um, there's bans on teachers using um, the the names or pronouns which match their students' gender identities. Like, like they're forcing teachers to like dead name students yep. in these states. Yep. Or they're they're proposing bills to do this anyway. Yeah. Um, and also requirements that schools out transgender students to their parents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that just makes my stomach turn. I know. You know, there are so many transgender kids who it's it's not safe for them to come out to their parents. Yeah. And this the, these these laws that are being proposed would force the schools to out these kids to their parents. That's going to cause real harm to real people. Like it's 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 just. It is it's stomach turning, um, and it's just I mean it's it's all part of this like broader Republic, Republican plan to whip up resentment around mm-hmm. sex, gender, race, all just for political gain. It's yeah. like whipping up their 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 culture wars to like so they can entrench gain, their power. Yeah, so they can enrich wealthy people. Right, and it's just disgusting. And it like it is. <laughs> Oh, let's transition into your take or, or your 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 contribution to this subject because I think that it was it was it's just a really necessary perspective on all this that is happening. Yeah, right. So uh, there is a writer by the name of Jamel Bowie, and uh, he wrote this op-ed in the New York Times over the weekend called "There Is No Dignity in This Kind of America," and it was focusing on the dignity piece. And he brings in Frederick Douglass and the history of mm. like chattel slavery and the parallels between that mm-hmm. and you know the way that uh, quote unquote conservatives are demonizing you know. <laughs> Trans people are on the chopping block now. It was black people. It's also still black people. They're broadening, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm, and I've just excerpted a few, like three paragraphs from his piece. Okay. And I just, yeah. I think they they set the stage really well. And I'll include a link in the show notes to the full piece, which I would encourage people to read. It's not super long and it's very insightful. But he says, this is no accident. The attacks on transgender people and LGBTQ rights are of a piece with the attack on abortion and reproductive rights. It is a singular assault on the bodily autonomy of all Americans meant to uphold and reinforce traditional hierarchies of sex and gender. Mm -hmm. Democracy, remember, is not just a set of rules and institutions, but a way of life. In the democratic ideal, we meet one another in the public sphere as political and social equals, mm. imbued with dignity and entitled to the same rights and privileges. Mm-hmm. Put plainly, and this is his conclusory paragraph, and this just hit me square between the fucking eyes. Mm. Put plainly, 
The attack on the dignity of transgender Americans is an attack on the dignity of all Americans. Mm. And like the battles for abortion rights and bodily autonomy, the stakes of the fight for the rights and dignity of transgender people are high for all of us. Mm. There is no world in which their freedom is suppressed and yours is sustained. Ugh, there is no world in which the freedom of transgender people is suppressed and everybody else's is sustained. Yep. No. And it's a simple yeah. truth that we've seen borne out repeatedly throughout history. I mean, going yeah. back literally thousands of years of recorded history. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's absolutely right. So like white cisgender Christian people, wake the fuck up. Mm. Because this isn't happening to you now does not mean that it's not the precursor of things happening to you that I can guarantee you, you would not want to happen to you. I mean, cisgender people across the board, not even the, the other sure. other people that you described there. You know? I'm just like, trying to make the case for the, 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 the category of people who I think feel the most insulated from all these pressures right now. Mm. Like being cisgender is good, but what if you're also white? You know, being white and cisgender is good, but what if you're also Christian? Sure. I think that's how they kind of feel about things. Like we're protected. We're living a morally correct life. And so, <sighs> you know, it's coming for you motherfuckers. Yeah, there's just no dignity. Here's the thing. Here's, I, I've, been, I've been thinking about this for, for a while. I was, I was raised in an environment that, uh, that taught me that being gay or queer or transgender. I didn't even know what transgender was when yeah. I was a kid. But but certainly that was lumped into this category of things. That 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 being any of those things was was morally wrong. That it was a sin and and you know that it was that that, that was that it was wrong. Yeah. Um I obviously have learned otherwise as I grew up and 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 actually formed my own ideas about uh, about the world and my, my sense of humanity expanded. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that I have I because I come from that background, I have an understanding of why people demonize transgender, why people why, why that that sort of like. Christian fascist movement in the United States right now is demonizing trans we'll say more. people. Like certainly the people who are like leading the way on these political movements, it's a way to just drum up power for themselves. I get it. I get that. But for like the everyday rank and file, you know, people who are going along with this like anti-trans craze that they're all whipped up in right now, they're not thinking of it as a way to gain power. They're just thinking of it from their own perspective of what do I believe? Is you know what are my what are the what, are, what, are, what do I believe about the morality of the world like mm -hmm. what what is right what is wrong you know and like it's it's twisted and I and what what I want to what I would love to say to those people and I don't think that those kinds of folks are actually listening to this podcast but what I would like to say to them is that like you think that you're upholding something something you know morally right by inflicting your view on what another person ought to do with their life, mm -hmm. their body, mm -hmm. you know, or how they should, how they live. And so in an effort to do that, you're, you're, you're forcing your way, you're forcing your belief on them and, and trying to say that they, that they don't exist, that trans people don't exist. This is just all in their head and it's just a perverted, you know, way of thinking and they just need to get their heads, you know, fixed, mm -hmm. go to conversion therapy or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, bullshit therapy that they recommend. Mm -hmm. 
and they they want to say they want to say that like that they don't they don't they cannot accept that a transgender person exists. They can't ex- they can't accept the truth of that, mm-hmm. right? So they're trying to impose their will on it. And what I want to say is that you cannot just like wish somebody out of existence. You can't just say I I believe this way and therefore that person doesn't exist. Like the only th- and and no matter what law you pass to try to enforce that, even the most harsh of these laws, it doesn't change the truth of the fact that, the, that, that there are transgender people. They still exist. So mm-hmm. these laws, these efforts to like enforce morality, like it doesn't do anything. It, it only harms people. Mm-hmm. That is the only outcome. It only diminishes the dignity of all of us. Like Jamal Bowie was saying, like you can't, you can't make rules <laughs> to enforce a belief you have and think that that you're just changing reality. Like it, it, it's the only outcome of that is harm. Yeah. So if be honest with yourselves, be honest with yourselves with regard to the fact that like you're not doing this for anybody's benefit or for society's benefit. You're doing it and it's harming people. Mm-hmm. And then decide if that's still something that you're okay with doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and when, when we make choices like that to like legislate, legislate harm mm-hmm. on other people, what does that say about our dignity? Mm-hmm. We have, we've become less human mm-hmm. when we do that to other people, mm-hmm. you know? So like on a lot of fronts, like I, I feel like, you're right, there is no dignity yeah. <laughs> in, an, in a society like this. Yeah. And it's incumbent upon every single one of us, um, especially people who are cis, to get on board with this fight. You know, mm-hmm. this is another area in which we can all call our local representatives, um, you know, our, our, our state and national representatives. A lot of these things are happening in the states, though. So, like, yeah, pretty much all of them. Yeah. Um, but make your, voice, make your voice heard. We talked last week about how we need uh, fewer allies and more accomplices, Yeah, right? This is, an, this is an example of like how you can actually get your skin in the game, you know? Spend some time calling those, those local representatives and telling them what you think about how you, how you want to protect trans rights in your communities, you know? Uh, speak about this. I was thinking about this more, the allies versus accomplices conversation yeah. after our podcast last week, actually, because I don't think we really talked much about like, okay, then what do we do? What does, that, what does that mean, you know, to become more, like what can we actually do to become more accomplice and less ally, you know? And I think about like one of the things that... Um, sometimes what that means, it just means putting yourself on the line in mm-hmm. some way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And sometimes that just means speaking up yeah, in seriously. a group of people that, that you know, you might, you're, you might be putting yourself on the line in terms of ruffling people's feathers by yeah. saying, no, actually trans people exist and they deserve their right to bodily autonomy just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, like that might be, if you if you live and move in a circle of people where that thinking isn't pervasive, where like you know, it it could be you could become an accomplice by saying something uh, true in those circles yeah. that um, that might not it might, it might it might not be comfortable to do that, and you might experience social blowback, mm-hmm. right? That's a way to become an accomplice yeah. in a situation True. like this. And also, like, it's literally the least you can do. Like, feeling uncomfortable <laughs> with the more assholey of your friends 
really, if you think about it and you're honest with yourself, pales in comparison to the direct sure. physical and psychological harm that trans people experience every single day mm -hmm. just by virtue of who Existing. they are in a bigoted society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people don't think that just because you live in a quote unquote blue state that you're like covered somehow mm -hmm. or uh, absolved of your responsibility. I was just seeing yesterday, uh, if you're in Washington state, please take the time to comment on support of state bill 5599, which protects trans youth seeking refuge and care in our state. Mm -hmm. It's a form of asylum mm -hmm. in addition to preventing cooperation with states seeking to violate human rights by withholding medical treatment. It currently has more opposition comments than support. Oh, geez. I'm calling today. In Washington. You don't even have to call. You just click. You go online. Okay. You, if you can't call. It's a, you go it's online. A it's a oh. comment thing because it's, it's a, there's a comment period for, for state legislation. Okay. Right? I'll put the links for this stuff. There are currently in Washington state three different bills that will help uh, protect from different angles trans folks who are fleeing persecution from anti-trans states. Wow. You know, and they're all in discussion right now. And I can guarantee you people, any state that you are in, there are bills right now, like Shannon was saying, there are mm. so many bills because there is this fucked up organization called what is it, AFP, American Family Protection Group or something like that. And they're sort of like ALEC, right? The, uh, they're one of those groups that does model legislation oh. and then deploys it through lobbyists at scale nationwide. Right. So these bills are just copycats of each other. They're literally Xeroxes, uh, you know? And so- Anti-trans bills. All these anti-trans yeah. bills and other bigoted bills like yeah. them too. Yeah. Like they are all- all just like right to there's also this huge wave of right to discriminate bills like I don't want to serve this person I don't want to bake this person a cake that's a classic one from a couple years ago right, right. we don't want to bake we don't want to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple and I shouldn't have to because I'm a Christian bigot you know <laughs> Well, that's the argument. That's our, that's the argument on the face of yeah, it. I'm not yeah. exaggerating. No, here. I'm I'm with you. You know, uh, it's just absurd. It's absurd. But these bills are being carbon copy cloned across the country, which means that whatever state you're listening to our podcast from, there is a bill mm. right now in legislature. Mm -hmm. We're at the beginning of a new legislative session. This is when all this stuff happens, right? Mm -hmm. So figure it out. Like just figure go, out what go, your state's doing. Yeah, yeah, Google Trans Bill Missouri or yeah. Trans Bill Kansas or wherever yeah. you live. Figure it out and write to your legislators and mm -hmm. let them know that like you don't support this because what you do support is human dignity and mm -hmm. human rights. Mm -hmm. It's not a complicated argument. No, it's not at all. There, yeah, and you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of this, but I've been seeing on Mastodon a lot. I have a lot of people that I follow that live in um, England. Yeah, and there's a whole anti-trans thing happening in in Britain right now too. I mean, it's the, and, it goes hand in hand with authoritarianism. Yeah. This is how authoritarianism works. You distract people who are susceptible to bigotry to pull them to your side politically, to gain power, to then do things that are broadly against the interests of everybody in the country, including the people who you tricked into voting for you with the bigotry. Yep. But the bigotry is the key. The bigotry is how you amass power. Because like it or not, any country you live in, no matter how great that place might be, I love a lot of things about this country. And I don't think that any other country is perfect. It's not like, you know, we, we idealize France, Shannon and I do. Like, oh, we should live in France. <laughs> They've got a fucked up right-wing nationalism uh, problem there too that's oh, yeah. arguably more advanced than ours is. Right. So like, there, no place is immune from of course. it. You know, and every place has a ton of good people, including right here where we live. But the bottom line is that there's also a lot of real shit heels, a, mm -hmm. a lot of really bad people who have bad morals, who are super susceptible to bigotry. Mm -hmm. Super susceptible to bigotry. And so we need to 
hedge against this. Mm -hmm. We really need to be super active. We mm -hmm. need to not take any of this stuff for granted. You can't just assume in a situation like this that the tide of history sweeps toward mm -hmm. the, the good. Mm -hmm. You know, I think maybe overall things do improve. I think probably that's, I think that's definitely true. You know, over the long yeah. arc of a thousand, thousands of years of recorded human history, things have improved generally speaking. But it doesn't mean that things are always going in the correct direction in every place all of the it's time. It's only happened because people have pushed for it over totally. history. Like, it doesn't happen automatically. It's no. not like some, like, you know... Uh, it's not destiny. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I know this is like an example that, like, I, you might roll your eyes because it's such a common thing to, to point to. But, like, I know that so many... Like, growing up, we all learned about, like, World War II history and, like, the rise of Nazi Germany, right? Mm -hmm. And we, like, we we all read Anne Frank when we were in school, right? Sure. Like, we all, we all learned about how, you know, this... Family was, you know, hidden in the attic of this, you know, German household. Yep. No, Poland. Was it Poland? I, I, no, I yeah. can't remember. Anyway, right. but like, we all like romanticize the idea that, well, if I, if I had been alive then, I would stand up for Jewish people. I would stand, I would, I would be on the right side of history. Now's the time. Like, in the same kind of way that Jewish people were demonized mm -hmm. in the rise of, Nazi Germany, like, and then rise of Nazism and, and that that brand of fascism that took over Germany. Trans people are are on the chopping block right now. Like, that's the, that's the group of people that is uh, at the sort of at the forefront of this of this effort now mm -hmm. to demonize a group of people in order to amass power and and advance a fascist agenda in a nation. Mm -hmm. That's that's happening now. So if you ever romanticize the idea that if I lived back then when Anne Frank did, I would have hit her in my attic, you know, yeah. or, or whatever flavor of like I would have I would have done the right thing. Here is your opportunity. Like put your skin in the game. Now is the time. Yeah. You know? Um and really like do the do the tiniest thing you can do. You know what I mean? Start because, with it. <laughs> start with it. It's at least a good place to start to get your head in the right spot. But don't be fooled. Like, it's not all that we can do. Like, yeah, it's good that we're going and commenting on these state bills. But like, I sat at home and typed something into it. A web browser is the 2023 version of like, I wrote a strongly worded letter. You mm -hmm, know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, man, that's fine. You write your strongly worded letter. Also, maybe eventually do something. Yeah, I mean... Do it all. Do all of that. Yeah. All of the above. Skin in the game. Yep. Whatever that means for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, you know, uh, thank you for that uh, conversation, Jamie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciated that Jamel Bowie article. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It was a really great perspective on all of this and the, th yeah. the fight that we're in. Um, but I could really use uh, some inspiration. So let's cruise on in to the Inspiration Station. Inspiration Station. I've got a couple things. I know you've got at least one. How many no, do you no, have? No, no, no. I don't have any. So I'm, oh, man. I'm relying on you. I'm going to inspire the shit out of Thank you. Thank you. I okay. need it. Cool. It's just a couple cool quotes. Okay. So the first one, I will tell you who the quote is by, and then I'll read you the quote. The second one mm -hmm. is from my little Buddhist glimpse that I get each day okay. in my email. And I'm just going to read the quote, and I'm going to see if you can guess who the quote is from. Oh, it's like a game. I know. And I like everyone it. at home can play too. Okay. All right. So the first one is a quote from a uh, novelist named Margaret Halsey. She was uh, born uh, February 13th, 1910. She died in 1997. Uh, just a real wonderfully incisive point of view that is so like applicable to where we are right now. Mm -hmm. She said, the crucial, the crucial disadvantage of aggression, competitiveness, and skepticism as national characteristics 
is that these qualities cannot be turned off at five o'clock. Oh my God. Wow, right? Uh, can you say that again? Yeah. Okay. The crucial disadvantage of aggression, competitiveness, and skepticism as national characteristics is that these qualities cannot be turned off at five o'clock. So what that's saying to me is that if that's how we're approaching our public life, that's also how we're approaching our private lives. Oh, for sure. And what it says to me also additionally is that like for people who like they use bigotry to gain power, mm -hmm. you can't turn the bigotry off at the end of the workday. Right. And if you're using aggression and competitiveness, and what was the third thing there? Uh, skepticism. Skepticism. If that's your, go if that's your modus operandi toward public-facing things, you're bringing that focus home yep. also with your family yeah, for and sure. your loved ones. You can't and just... You're passing it down and all the bad exactly. things. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, super interesting, right? Yes. Like so much of the stuff that, you know, like I said, love where I've had the opportunity to grow up. Uh, the United States of America, that is. Uh, there's a lot of really great things about it and a lot of wonderful people, and I've made a happy life here. Mm. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that is deeply problematic about our country is baked in. Totally. It's what? all this stuff. It's the national character, right? Like, when people when people who don't live here are, are asked, like, what, what are American qualities, you know? <laughs> like, these are them. Yeah, Right? Yeah. Like, and that competitive spirit has, you know, served us super well on the world stage. Like, we're number one, haha. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, <laughs> are we though? also? <laughs> but also, can I just say also this? Like, if we turn this this uh, the idea in this quote around, like, like think about like the qualities that you want in your that that you want in your families, in yeah. your in the relationships you have with your closest people, and how you think about them. Do you think about them competitively and aggressively and? What was the third thing again? Skeptically, skeptically, right? Are those the kinds of ways th things that you want to nurture? in your closest relationships, right. in your home, in your right. family. Is that the energy you want around your house? Right. And if it's not, and you want to actually nurture other things, well, then maybe start thinking about those other things that you actually do want to nurture in your home and in your closest relationship and your family and start thinking about the rest of the world like that too. Right, sure. You, you know? can't like, do it two different ways. Right. You got to be like internally consistent. Right, right. That's the only way it works. I appreciate that. Okay, so this is the game part. You're going to read me the quotes mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to try to guess the author. That's right. Okay. So here's the quote. And it is from my Rigpa glimpse of the day. So it's like Zogchen, you know, yeah. Zen Buddhist kind of stuff. Uh, a human being is part of a whole called by us the universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. Mm. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest us. Mm -hmm. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circles of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. That's kind of what I was just saying about the last quote too, yes. right? Like yes. turning, that's interesting. Yes. But I'm supposed to guess who said this? I know it's really hard to do. Probably you wouldn't be able to do it, but I can just tell you and it like blow your mind. Uh, you should just tell me because I mean, like what I would I would say would probably be like Tiknot Han. Tiknot Han. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's what it would come to totally. mind. But that, obviously, no. that's not the answer. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have made it a game. So, who is it? It's Albert Einstein. Wow. Okay. Right. All right. Interesting. Like the person, kind of the person whose name is synonymous with being the smartest. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Einstein. Th- right? This is where he was coming from. This is where he was coming from. That's great. Right? Yeah. Like, wow. Just, man, underscores the idea that truly smart people understand some of this deeper shit. You know, like this idea that we need to live in harmony with ourselves Mm. and with nature Mm. and to extend our circles of compassion Mm -hmm. and to not look in a blinkered, myopic, ego-driven, self-serving way inward and toward our tiny circle, which is a prison, yeah, but rather outward and understand that we are just a teeny tiny part of the universe and that if we work harmoniously with all the other parts of the universe, everything will work better for everybody. Yeah. Right? Thanks, good, Einstein. Good going, Einstein. Yeah, good job. <laughs> good job, buddy. We appreciate you. Good job, Einstein, but not in a sarcastic way. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, that was great. Thank you so much. And I think it would be wonderful if we would just wrap things up today with a good old-fashioned gratitude crank up. All right, what you got? So I was thinking earlier today... Um, that I was just feeling grateful for all the people throughout my entire life who have, uh, over the years, encouraged me in my music-making life. Mm -hmm. And I just, I took a minute to kind of like go back and like just name people in particular who gave me a little, give me a little like, uh, bump up, you know, in in that. Starting with my mom putting me in piano lessons. Like I'm really grateful. Yep that she did that um, and made me practice every morning before school, which I hated, but like I stuck with it and I learned, you know, like I'm really grateful for her in that. I'm grateful for my um, my high school choir director, Gary Wright, mm-hmm. who passed away a number of years ago. Um, but um, man, he, he asked me to audition for the chamber ensemble. Kind of recruited you. Kind of recruited me. Recruited you out of cheerleading. Yes, I was part of the concert (laughs) choir. I was part of the concert choir, which pretty much anyone could join. Chamber Ensemble was an auditioned group. And he's like, hey, I want you to audition for Chamber Ensemble, but you're going to have to quit cheerleading. And I'm like, Gary Wright thinks that I'm good enough for this 16-voice choir. Like, I I had no, I did not think of myself in those terms at all. But Mm. that was a massive boost. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking also of... um, the people who did the music at my church growing up, yeah. the Altizers, Jim and Mary Kay, mm-hmm. they were a musical duo. Like they, 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 they met in college studying music. Please tell me they called their duo the Altizers because that would be fucking great. Um, I don't, I don't. They did. They were. They were just called Jimmy Mary Kay Altizer. But oh. th- th- but they also did music at our church. Mary Kay actually was my piano teacher for like a year mm-hmm. in high school. It's like the final year of my high school. Mm. Um, and uh, but but one what I was thinking of in particular was that um, when I experimented with writing my very first song, I did it with my sister. We we wrote this little song together, and it was a we were, we grew up in church, so it was a worship song. It was a song you know that you would sing in church and based on a psalm uh, from from scripture. And, uh, but we wrote it like a little melody to it, a little mm-hmm. chord structure. And we brought it to Jim Altizer. And he's like, this is really good. And he like, he he printed it up as sheet music for us. Mm-hmm. We were like, what? Like it was wow. blew our little minds. Especially and, also like in the 80s, that's hard to do. Yeah, and it was, yeah. Well, he- Just technically speaking. He, but he knew how to score things. Wow. So like that was his, his thing. That's nifty. So, and then he, uh, he went at, uh, a step further and he actually 
started using it in the church services at our church. So yeah. like he taught our song, like, and that just was a huge, like, oh my gosh, okay, this was good enough for this guy who studied music and like leads music at this church and like is really good and super talented guy, you know. Very like that, legitimizing. Really, yeah. I'm really grateful for that moment. Um, I'm also grateful to my first bandmates, like, just we were sort of like building this whole idea together that we could make music and like make original music, make recordings, play shows, you know, like yeah. really grateful for all of their encouragement and and camaraderie over the years. I'm grateful for all the people who have come to see me perform over uh -huh. the years in all different kinds of venues, like from the smelly rock clubs to the, you know, sparsely populated coffee houses to whatever, you know, who showed up and like said, yeah, I'm going to spend my evening listening to this person do her yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking specifically of uh, Jerry Perry, who is a mm. longtime uh, live music um, promoter. And he also for a very long time ran a, a monthly music magazine in Sacramento, California. Um, when I started doing my solo stuff, he he became just a dear friend and encourager of what I was doing. Like I I, I idolized Jerry Perry having, you know, grown up sort of in the Sacramento music scene. And to have somebody like him express belief in what I was doing was a massive encouragement at that inflection yeah. point in my music life. Um, every single one of our house concert hosts for the last decade, people who like we're like, yeah, come into my backyard and I'm going to invite my friends and mm -hmm. community to see you perform. What an incredible, just tangible act of support. Yeah. You know, um, I'm so, so grateful. I'm grateful for you, of course, mm. Jamie, for all of the encouragement that you have given me over the years, like in being willing to partner with me to make, make music. Like, yeah. That's massively encouraging. Mm. And uh, and I would be remiss also to not mention our Misfit Stars, the community of people who are our patron supporters now who have um, really, uh, they carried us through all the shutdown time. They're carrying us through into this new era of yep. like how we're, how we're, we're living as creators. Mm -hmm. um, what an incredible uh, show of support from them. Like I just am experiencing a lot of gratitude for all of those for all those people. Amazing. And wanted I love to it. share that here today. I love it. Gratitude yeah. shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I, for my part, mm -hmm. am grateful uh, for our incredibly lucky health journey so far in our lives. Oh, yeah. Both, both of us individually. Um, I would say as a couple, but you can't really have a two-person health journey. <laughs> but, you know, we have just been really lucky as a couple to have a partner, each of us, <laughs> in the other, who has not had any major health problems yeah. really at all, you know? And I just think about this so much these days. I get older. I mean, I found out about two different friends who have cancer this week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, people, are get, people get sick. People get sick all of the time or have accidents or you know, have catastrophes or have mm -hmm. some massive thing in their life that they didn't realize and all of a sudden it, become, it becomes like the definition of what their life is in, in that moment and maybe yeah, going forward, you know? Yeah. And we have just been super, super lucky. And that's all it is, is luck, you mm -hmm. know? I know that there is another another weird evangelical sort of feeling thing, you know, this idea of like, uh, I don't, what's a Christian term for it when like 
like the fact that you are healthy is evidence of having lived a morally upright life. Yeah. You know, that whole sort of thing. I think that people sometimes equate uh, health with virtue and sometimes mm. equate sickness with maybe a lack of virtue mm -hmm. or the idea that maybe you could have done some stuff better. And it's just <laughs> dumb luck. It's absolutely dumb luck, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what I'm really grateful for is just my dumb luck because that's all it right. is, right. you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly sure why I have that luck, but I'm super grateful for it. I guess a more accurate way to say it is you're not particularly sure why you've had that dumb luck until now because <laughs> the future's uncertain too, right? That's like, it. That's, it's, nothing's guaranteed. So... Gratitude is the way to be present with that and and um, and appreciate it deeply yeah. in this moment. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening today. Thanks for joining us for this bit of time. And uh, we're just so grateful that you chose to do that. Yes, we are. People, we need your support for the work that we're doing. I want to briefly explain it to you. So here's how it works. We have... Uh, a page set up at misfitstars.com slash support. People go there sometimes to become patron supporters. That just means that it's a monthly small dollar thing that you sign up for. It just comes out of your bank account every month on the day that you do it. So if you do it today, February 15th, uh, then it'll be March 15th, April 15th. The 15th of every month indefinitely, that amount that you select will just be taken out of your bank account transferred over to us. Uh, we keep it small dollars so it's sustainable for people to do because like, yeah, it would be great for someone to be like, or three people to be like, we're going to give you 500 bucks a month, but is that sustainable for the long term? No. You know what I mean? They're going to stop that. But if it's like 10 bucks a month and we can get enough people to do it, it provides an income. Well, spoiler alert, this is a huge part of how Shannon and I support our work these days. Mm -hmm. And here's what you're doing when you're becoming a Misfit Stars uh, patron supporter. You are making our work, all of it, the podcast, podcasts, the music, the books, the book club, the live broadcast, the community, the mentorship that I do of other up-and-coming producers, all of it, you're making that freely available to the entire world, including the people who would not be able to pay for it if it were a pay-to-listen kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This is why everyone can just get our music for free anywhere. Mm -hmm. This is why anyone can participate in literally anything that we're doing without giving us money because some people do give us money, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So your support of our work makes our work available for everybody, including the people who can't pay for it. And I think that's so important. Mm. Being able to untether our music from this idea of music as a product, music as a widget, right? A thing that you make, but you then have to sell it, right? And it only has worth if you can sell it. <laughs> I think that's bullshit. And I think that, first of all, art has value even if a ton of people don't consume it because the fact of making it is most of the value in it. Mm -hmm. It's good energy to put into the world. And secondly, I think that the ability to have nice things, artistically speaking, shouldn't be correlated with your income. Right, yeah. Right? Like, someone is not less deserving of Shannon's music because they're poor. And someone is not more deserving of Shannon's music because they're wealthy. Right. Everyone is equally deserving of receiving those gifts that Shannon is putting into the world. By supporting the work that we do at misfitstars.com support, you're making it possible for us to give everything we do to everybody. That's magical. Mm -hmm. That is a perpetual motion art and community machine. And we would like to invite you especially our new listeners. I know that we have some recently. First of all, thank you. Yeah. Not just for listening, but for listening all the way to the end. So cool. Through this pitch and everything. I know, right? 
I want to invite you, new listeners, just to take a chance on it, you know? Just throw your lot in with ours and be part of helping us do the stuff that we do for an ever-increasing community of people. Mm-hmm. Misfitstars.com slash support. Yep, that's it. So uh, thanks, people. We are so grateful uh, for you, for your time, for your ears, mm-hmm. for your love, for your friendship, for your support. <laughs> and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Yes, we'll see you next week. Uh, until then, take good care of yourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, we love y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.